There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Thomas. Morning, Willie. Another Morning. week in paradise. Another, well, I don't know about paradise, Willie, but um, another week, another week. Where do we start this morning? Where would you like to start, Willie? There's so much going on in the business news. How about, we're just going to be quite quick this morning because, just for our listeners, we have a Scottish Government minister on this morning. Absolutely delighted. So the power of the Go Radio Business Show Everybody we said we invite, somebody's actually answered us. Yeah. So we're going to rush through some maybe big topics and then we're going to give the minister his time to hear what the solutions are. Hey, let's quickly talk about ferries. Ferries, the ferry oh my fiasco. So it came out this week that the, the Ferguson Yard, it would be cheaper to scrap one of the ferries and start again with an overseas yard than it would be to put the money in. But the Scottish government, and I kind of understand, have decided to put the money in. You know, if it was only numbers and finance, you wouldn't do this. But there's jobs, there's community, folks' lives, etc. But imagine that. We're, we're so long into this that somebody has and the government don't dispute it, it would be cheaper to scrap one of them and give it a tender to someone else overseas. Tom, I'm not for one person losing their job, right? All my life I've been so proud about creating jobs, but when you look at the money that's been absolutely willfully wasted down here, we could have gave every single member of the workforce there hundreds of thousands of pounds each. We could have re-educated them, we could have got them doing anything whatsoever it's a shambles. And, and see, at the end of the day, you know, it'd be really, really sad. It'd be really sad if after all of this, failed ferries, five years, you know, late in getting built, five times over the, the initial cost, it, the way it's looking at the moment is they'll probably end up with no jobs there anyway, which is shocking. So somebody that knows about shipping, someone knows about building ships, please come to the rescue of, of everyone down at Ferguson Marine. So it, it did kind of remind me of this, Willie, because I... As you know, I'm from a wee mining village up in Ayrshire called New Cumnock. And um, in the 80s, when Margaret Thatcher basically put the death knell in the pits, it ripped the community apart because probably 90% of the male employment in New Cumnock was down the pit. And um, I've often thought, looking back, and I've still got pals who live up there, Rab Wilson, who you know, mm -hmm. and him and I debate whether there was a better way of actually dealing with this. So it's certainly not the way the Scottish government's dealt with the ferries, but you've got to look at it and say, could this shipyard be viable? And you need people who know what they're talking about, Willie. Yeah. Somebody who's actually run a shipyard. So the first question is, could it be viable? How long would it take? How much money? And therefore, 
the opportunity cost, as you've just laid out, what else could we do with the taxpayers' money? Because it's you and me and the good listeners of this show that are paying for this. Tom, I've mentioned it the last few weeks. Obviously, huge news this week about AI and the potential of AI. I mean, British Telecom going to cut half of their workforce, 45,000 people in the next 10 years. So I was looking at this and I've managed to find somebody who can speak sense, common sense about AI. And she's going to come on the show next week, Willie. Laura from Tag Digital. And I've asked her to come on and speak to us about what she's been doing in her business, the threats, the opportunities, mainly the opportunities, and somebody who's actually doing it. But at BT, you know, the headline is 55,000 jobs lost by the end of the decade, 11,000 of them being replaced by AI, 25,000 because once you roll the fibre into the ground, there's no more contracts. But let's get Laura on. If you have any listeners got questions for Laura about how it affects their business, and let's just make it clear today, no matter what business you're in, AI is either a threat or an opportunity. You know where we are in the Go Radio Business Show, but it's going to affect every single business. What about our friend Andrew Bailey? For weeks and weeks and weeks, we've been saying he's got it wrong, he's got no idea, and he's out this week again pontificating as if he has done nothing wrong. It's Honestly, it's criminal. <laughs> so, um, there's a fellow been speaking about it. He was a former chief economist of the Bank of England, Andy Haldane. I know Andy and I like Andy. He's now an advisor to Rishi Sunak. I think he speaks sense. He has said we need to pause the interest rate rises because it takes time when you put the interest rate up for it to, to have the effect in the economy. But he thinks if we just keep putting it up 25 bips, 50 bips every time, there'll be real harm done to the economy. So he's saying, let's have a pause, let's take time, let's see what happens. And I, I reckon he knows what he's talking about, so I'm kind of with him. What, what do you think, Willie? Well, I, I think that we've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and there's no chance... The statement by uh, Jeremy Hunt and the statement by Andrew Bailey saying that inflation would be maybe at 5% and interest rates would start... There's no chance of that happening this year. None whatsoever. And you've got to say, when do these people become accountable? Right? <laughs> Talking about being accountable. <laughs> what about the story this week about the local authority in Renfrewshire who built a school allegedly for 1,100 pupils and they found that they'd only built a school that's a third of the size it require. Who is accountable and whose neck would be on the block for that one? Right, well, so I, I missed this, but I do know about building schools. We had to finance two brand new schools through in Winchborough, our development just outside of Edinburgh. So there's so much thought goes into the school planning. I don't know how they could have got this wrong, Willie. Yeah. But they have. Someone has and someone has to be accountable. Ah. Because of our special guest today, yes. we're going to cut this wee segment, but I'd like to finish with a bit of good news. Good and maybe news, you might have some as well. 
Um, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned about the seminar that was going to be held in Lancashire for the King's Award for Enterprise. Yes. Um, and I'm told that that was a raving success. I believe that Brilliant. 94 businesses turned up from all over and they were well impressed with what they heard. So hopefully now there's loads of small and medium-sized companies that understand about the award, knows how it can maybe help their business, and they're applying for it. So well done to everyone in Lanarkshire. Great news, Wally. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Richard Nielsen Lockhead, the Scottish Government's current Minister for Small Business, Trade and Innovation. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is the Scottish Government's current Minister for Small Business, Trade and Innovation, Richard Nielsen Lockhead. Tom, we're absolutely delighted. We'll be asking for months and months, inviting some of the leading politicians to come on the show, and we're delighted that the Minister Richard Lockhead is with us live this morning. Live, and that was your Sunday name you got there. It was. I was very surprised, that Nielsen. Was your, yes. That was your full name. Proud of all my names, of course. But um, yeah, just genuinely really keen to hear what you've got to say thank you so much for coming on our our listeners um tell us that they wanted somebody from the government to come in because willie and i can speak to ourselves all day long it doesn't do us any good but um so it's lovely to see you so willie well i think just to start off i think tom it's fair that we've been saying for weeks and weeks we've been quite impressed right under the the new administration that uh one of the the big, big complaints about the last administration was that, that business didn't feel that anyone was listening to them. And I think we've seen some green shoots over the last few weeks where it looks like the new cabinet, the new government, looks as if they are trying to take that from the ridiculous to the sublime. Is that the case? <laughs> Good opening question. And thanks for having me on your show today. It's great to be with you two icons of the... The business community in Scotland. Keep going, keep going. Keep going, yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, well, that's a good distraction actually from that question. But the the question is a good question, and well, yes, we are resetting a relationship with business. It's the first thing to say, and we recognise there's an absolute need to do that. New administration, new broom. Time to have a fresh look at how we, uh, you know, are, are working with the people of Scotland and our business community and looking to the future of our economy. I guess what I would say because I've reflected on this quite a lot, and, you know, I've had some frustrations over the last couple of years, it's got to be said. Uh, and, you know, because of Brexit, the pandemic, then with the cost of living crisis, we've still got that, of course, which has affected businesses as well as households. Things have been really quite uh, volatile, tough, and perhaps we didn't recognise the need to just take stock a bit and you know these have been enormously disruptive issues for government in Scotland it's not just for people and for businesses it's also been really disruptive for the government it's been you know the government's been working flat out to deal with what are really big crises that face the country so I think as a result of that 
you know, perhaps we didn't get some things right in terms of how we're building our relationships or keeping up our relationships with business. So now we've got an opportunity and hopefully, you know, we can move the country forward, but it's really important we have a really good relationship with the business community. So you'll have seen in the news, of course, over the last few days that there's a number of steps been taken to get that right, the new deal for business. So we're going to sit down with the business community, say, okay, we've got to work in collaboration, we've got to work together, we've all got shared outcomes here we want to see for the country. Yeah, so, I mean, I think from from our point of view, um, you know, Willie and I have sat in so many think tanks and we're kind of think tanked out. Yep. But um, the main thing which we want to say is is create policy for the business community with the business community. Don't, don't do it to the business community without listening because we don't expect you as a government minister to have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, but together we're going to have a better answer than one of us going at alone. So do you accept that, that, you know, for Scotland to flourish, and I don't think we're going to disagree about the civil society we want for Scotland. We want a fantastic education system. We want a fantastic free at the point of need NHS. We want these things, but the only way that gets paid for is if we have a flourishing business community paying their taxes, creating jobs, who then pay their taxes, because you as a government don't have money. You take money from us, the businesses and the taxpayers, and you allocate it. But that seemed to get lost. But let's reset. Is that something that you agree with that view? Well, I absolutely agree we have to have a much better relationship with the business community because Scotland's full of potential. And we're not going to realise that potential without the entrepreneurs, the investments, the people, the talent we've got in this country. So we can't do this without the business community. And that's at the heart of what I plan to do with my portfolios going forward. So I totally agree with that. I would gently say, of course, that, you know, we have been re-elected several times, my government, over the last you know, few years uh, since 2007. So we, are, we have been getting things right. Uh, but that doesn't mean to say that we've not got things wrong. And, you know, we have to constantly not get complacent and work with people to learn lessons and move forward constructively. And now's a chance to do that where we've perhaps not got things right as we would have liked to have done. In, in the latest statistics, we have 1.8 million people not contributing in Scotland. You know, we, we've just had a, a leak, let's call it, you know, a PR leak in the last few weeks saying that maybe the higher rate of tax may be going up. Okay, it's not, it's not official yet. Only 33,000 people are in that bracket but 1.8 million people are not contributing. So surely the drive should be that if we got 50,000 or 100,000 of those people contributing, then the, the difference to the GDP would be far greater than a, than a hike in the, in the higher tax bracket. And then what you're saying there really goes to the heart of the debate over tax. And what we've done over recent years is introduce a progressive taxation system. We have a social compact, I would describe it as, with the people of Scotland, whereby people pay their taxes and we have some universal benefits that everyone benefits from, like free higher education. And I know that many people, you know, you speak to in all incomes, welcome the fact they don't have to spend 27 grand to send a child to university, for instance, uh, unlike the rest of the UK. And therefore, that's the kind of basis behind socially progressive taxation. Those with the, the broader shoulders obviously pay a bit more in tax. 
But you're absolutely right. We have to be super careful in terms of any tax proposals and decisions we take about the overall impact on the Scottish economy. And I hope you have noticed over the last few weeks in particular and a couple of months that we are putting a lot more emphasis on how to widen Scotland's tax base. And, you know, so it's not just about people paying more tax, it's about more people paying tax. And that is a, a good way forward. And, you know, I've been looking at some of uh, the the key sectors of the Scottish economy I'm responsible for and looking at, the, again, the, the great potential they've got for widening the tax base in Scotland if we can grow these sectors more. Yeah, yeah. But, but sorry, we're saying the same thing. So we have to create more jobs. If you want High value jobs, good tax. Yeah, but if you want good to jobs that pay good tax, tax. Base, it's about creating jobs. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been worrying about this for a long time, and it's everybody gets fixated, especially politicians, about the tax rate. But it's not really about that. It's about the tax take. It's because that's what pays the nurses, the policemen, the teachers. It's not the tax rate that pays them. It's the tax take, and therefore. We and the Hunter Foundation have been looking across the pond, just across the pond in, in Ireland. And Ireland is running a, a surplus now, about 12 to 14 billion every year, thinking about a sovereign wealth fund. Scotland's running a deficit of 23 billion. And I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, what happened? And it's quite simple. And I'll, I'll make our findings free of charge for you. There will be no charge, Richard. But it's very simple what they did. They they looked at it, some creative strategic leadership, and they said, we're a, we're a country of three million people. How are we going to do this? And they basically looked at their tax rate, brought it down to attract. They've got 24 of the top 25 pharma companies in the world, European base in Ireland. They've got Google, they've got Facebook, they've got Dell. They've, but these are sticky jobs, as I call them, because they worked with the universities to produce the talent who would work there. And that is surely something to learn for Scotland there, Richard, because they did it with a lower tax rate, but the tax take, you know, they're, they're talking about a 12 to a 14 billion surplus. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, there's various different lenses you can look at that debate through, and I think it's a really great question and, and topic. Firstly, there's the fact that we're not Ireland. As you know, we've got very limited tax-raising powers. We raise about a third of the Scottish budget. We rely on the block grant we get from Westminster. So we don't have the same powers as Ireland and the same levers and the same tax powers in particular. So we've got a lot more limitations we also face a very tough economic backdrop, as you know, in terms of the budgets and the, the inflation, the impact of inflation on, on Scotland's public services as much as the, the business community. But our block grant has not been increased by that inflation, so we've got to find now, all that on, money. Richard, I, I, I don't, want, no, to, I don't no. want to interrupt you, but come on. <laughs> no, well, that's that's just the reality. So I don't have the same, or the government doesn't have the same powers as, as Ireland. But yes, and your point about sticky jobs is... A great point because Scotland's doing extremely well just now in inward investments. We are sowing seeds for much greater tax revenues in the future at the moment. We've got high value growth sectors that really are quite phenomenal. And one of my jobs, I think, is to bring that into the open because it's quite hidden. And a lot of these new inward investment 
projects and these industries are sticky jobs. They're not jobs that can easily relocate to other countries. Brilliant. Because they revolve around our universities and our research capability and most importantly, our talent. So when I speak to these inward investors who are really serious about building massive businesses in Scotland, they're saying, we're here because of the talent and because of your research and universities. And once these jobs are here, they can't simply relocate. And, and so these sticky jobs, yeah. and I think... So that's something we are doing in Scotland. I think we're doing that very well at the moment. So so something that Willie has put over in the show is to say, look, if and I, I know you're responsible for space and the satellites, and Glasgow's a European leader, which we're very proud of in this show. Um, so well done. Um, but one of the things that we hear is it's quite difficult coming into Scotland. There isn't a one-stop shop. People are moved about. So can we just get together... Adrian at Scottish Enterprise, we, we have this debate. Just say, if someone, let's just say we want to become the world's leader in green energy. Well, he's put this over before. And therefore, we need a one-stop shop. So if there's any global companies, they don't deal with 26 different um, divisions. They deal with one person who does the running. That, that helped in Ireland. That really helped. And then... Willie, you can talk about you come up with just just making that a, an enterprise zone. Yeah, we we could we could um, um, you know we can turn the things that people didn't like about the country too windy, too wet, you know, too much rain. <laughs> so you know, I'm saying that rather than go to the UK government and ask for we'd like a free port here or an enterprise zone there, if all the experts, I was at a conference this week with the with the Bank of Scotland. And experts are saying that Scotland is absolutely prime to be at the forefront of delivering clean energy. With Professor Sir Jim MacDonald on here a few weeks ago telling us that easily, if we could get the investment, right, that we could produce five times more clean energy than we need in Scotland. So we could be, a, a you know, the, the new Saudi Arabia of clean energy. And so we're saying, you know, how can we do that and say to the UK government, we want green status for the whole country. We don't want it for one port. We don't want it Edinburgh here. You you give us the right lobby for this. And if the you know if the Greens were really up for it, then that's what we should be talking about. That's what we should be doing. But Richard, I think it's fair to say that, you know, as I was saying that we've done well. What about the money that's been wasted? Right? We're not we're cutting local authorities here. And we're giving people here £580 million to save smelters and jobs in Scotland. And we're being told for day one, do not give these people money. The money that's been wasted in Ferguson Marine, the money that's been wasted in, I could name another 10, by far, I could name another 10 places. Who becomes accountable for all these financial disasters? Well, I can imagine the headlines, if we didn't give funding to keep some of these businesses in Scotland or attracted on investment, it would be attacked even more for doing that. And, and I there's don't a think risk... that would have been a headline with Mr well, Gupta. There's a risk involved in all these projects. And, you know, I think... Any government would have taken those decisions irrespective of, of political colour. When I go around the world or when I'm speaking to inward investors, they're telling me, and I'm not exaggerating, that Scotland is a fashionable place at the moment for investment. Scotland's on the global map, particularly for green energy, which you mentioned, but also some other amazing industries like um, photonics and, and quantum computing. Uh, which are, you know, mind-boggling sectors are growing just now and, and have got the potential not just to change Scotland's future but the world's future and, you know, really bring economic prosperity to our country. So we're in a good place. 
But well, I quite like we, it. I'm not... we, would, we would argue with that. We would tell you that we're getting told the opposite okay. from major players. Major players. Well, yeah. that's not the evidence I've got. I'm not saying yeah. it's not tough out there because of, you know, the economic backdrop we face is, you know, making the UK perhaps uh, not as attractive as it even, even, even better than what it's just now, obviously, and, and help us. But the message I get is that for some key sectors, Scotland's in a global lead, or at least up there with the leaders. That's an amazing place for Scotland to be. And, you know, I'm not, I think your idea is an interesting one. It's something for me to reflect on and my colleagues about how do we kind of have a one-stop shop and, you know, um, a profile across the world that people just think Scotland's the place to be for green energy. I think we're getting there, but there's more we can do. We should do that. And Scotland Development International has got a great reputation overseas. People say SDI is one of the best agencies to deal with from across yes, all the agencies yep. to deal with. So I think we shouldn't talk ourselves down. We're getting lots of things right. We make mistakes and people, when you take a risk as a government, sometimes people say, oh, that's a, that's waste. But, you know, it's it's minuscule compared to some projects and at the UK level that are costing hundreds of billions of pounds. But, you know, so, yes, we've got to learn from all these experiences. Why, why have we cut the budgets over the years for Scottish Enterprise? The body that's set up to help generate business in Scotland. So look, we're one thing but doing another. Look, look at the really tough economic backdrop we faced over the last few years with Brexit, which was foisted upon us. Uh, obviously, the pandemic took a massive toll in particular sectors in, in the Scottish economy and, and, and everyone, obviously, in different ways. And now we've got the cost of living, cost of business crisis. And as I said before, our budgets are really tight. And unfortunately, uh, you and I, we both have, you know, loved ones or family and friends that need to be looked after by the NHS and need social care. And, it's you know, we've got to balance these. So, unfortunately... It means everyone's got to take a share when we are yeah. facing tough times. Yeah, but but Scottish Enterprises budget was slashed by two hundred million pound before Brexit and before COVID. But the budgets are elsewhere in government, so we are spending billions of pounds on green energy, which you mentioned earlier on. You said that was a a massive opportunity for the Scottish economy. So we constantly have to reappraise how we allocate the budget to deliver economic progress. And as I said before. Uh, you know, the offshore wind project's got the potential to deliver £28 billion pounds alone. Mm. Now, a lot of that seeds sown by public investment. Yeah. So we've got to take choices. Yeah, I'd, I I think um, I would never want to talk Scotland down and neither would Willie. Mm. So as you go and you've got your new portfolio, what, what are you most excited about as you travel around and see where Scotland could be leading the world? Because that's what excites us and how can we make it easier for these big companies to come but to stay you know it's got to be sticky jobs yeah what, what excites you richard in your new portfolio so since i've taken over this particular portfolio and through my various ministerial posts over the years i've come into contact with many of the economic sectors clearly but um having good deep dives into some of the sectors we've got. And what I'm finding is so exciting. Every stone you turn over, I'm discovering something amazing happening in some of our key sectors. You mentioned space earlier on, and a couple of weeks ago, there I was taking part in the turf-cutting ceremony at a, the spaceport in Sutherland. Yep. And I thought to myself, if someone said to me five or ten years ago, I was going to be involved in a turf-cutting ceremony in Sutherland for a, a, a spaceport... Yep. I'd have said, well, you know, what you on? And, and, but there we are, and that's now five out of this UK's seven potential 
launch sites are in Scotland. Uh, you mentioned yourself, Tom, that uh, Glasgow's producing more small satellites than anywhere else on the planet outside of America. And the future of satellites is small satellites. And we've got about 160, I think the figure was, for the data science companies that are using the data from the, the satellites. And we're building the rockets in Scotland that are going to take the satellites into the lower Earth orbit. And that is going to lead to all different types of, of technology. And we've got amazing things happening in Scotland. I was in, I'm in Glasgow at the moment, and I was speaking to a, a company this, this morning, M Square, to involved in uh, photonics, the use of light and lasers, and quantum in terms of the future of computing, which is mind-boggling. And they were telling me how 50 of 100 of the indicators are used to measure climate change have to be observed from space and they've been developing technology to enable that to happen, which has discovered there's a lot more methane in the planet than we anticipated. This is working with international authorities, of course. So Scotland's involved in this. That space, we've got clearly the green energy sector, which is going to be transformational, AI transformational. I've been delivering a lot of speeches since I took on this portfolio. And what I said is I'm reading this book just now called The Age of Revolutions by the famous historian Eric Hobson. And he says, in terms of the Industrial Revolution, that the 1780s were the lift-off decade for what came after. And Scotland, he mentions in terms of the, the James Watt steam engines being a big part of that. And I think to myself, the 2020s are the lift-off decade for what's coming next, with Scotland having the potential to be a, a green energy powerhouse, a technological powerhouse. And these are jobs that are getting two or three times the average salary in Scotland that are being created. Uh, it's really exciting what's happening. So, really what, so we we have been, we're delighted to hear that because we've been saying for 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 years now, where's the Enlightenment to? And this is it. It's, it's happening. All, it's all about it's clean happening. energy. It's all about clean energy. Can, can I send you what you had to that, Tom? Well, no, I just, um, you know, we had, we had, I, I got really excited when um, they offer, the, the Professor Arthur Herman, of Georgetown said Scotland invented the modern world yep. with the Enlightenment and we've been trying to do Enlightenment too ever since. And and that was simply about when all facets of Scottish society came together. Um, it wasn't just the business, it was philosophy, there was economists, there was religion, there was, you know, Absolutely. a couple of politicians yeah. thrown in. But um, we invented the modern world, so why can't we do it again? And um, that's why it dismays me when, you know, policies are are brought out and enforced in business. But you've covered yeah. that. So uh, I'm going to take you... And, and you, asked me, you asked me how do we get those companies to yes. exist and be here in Scotland. And uh, that's a really good question. And Scotland's making a lot of progress with creating clusters. So we have a quantum cluster. We have a photonics cluster. We have a green energy clusters, uh, you know, and I could go on. And these are ecosystems we're building at the moment. And you, I'm sure you know about all the words, all the work we're doing in, in entrepreneurship. And we've got our chief entrepreneur, uh, Mark Logan, as well, doing his good work. So I think that's the future. It's having academia working with the private sector, working with the public sector. And that's what's making these clusters so successful. Someone told me last night in the words that I was speaking at here in Glasgow for the digital economy, right. that they are speaking to people around the world and they say that the ecosystem building we're doing in Scotland is the best they've seen. And we're getting that from people outside of Scotland all the time. So we 
you know, there's also a perception within Scotland sometimes because of, you know, obvious reasons that things are not as good as they could be in some areas. But actually, there's a lot of exciting things happening. And I think another answer to your question is uh, you're both extremely successful entrepreneurs and I think we need entrepreneurship to run through the veins of Scotland. And that means people at school, college, university, in the workplaces, we have to encourage them to think about starting their own businesses. There's a lot of work with all the reviews we've been carrying out over the last few months to make that happen. So I think that's super exciting. So Richard, for the last two to three minutes, we've been talking up opportunities, we've been talking up, you know, the ways that we can grow Scotland, huge ideas about Scotland being green, all of this thing. How does it sit with you that your partners in government are against everything that we've just been talking about for the last three minutes where the Greens are anti-growth? Well, I don't think they are against everything we've been speaking about the last few minutes. Well, I mean, certainly they're, said that green they're anti-growth. They're anti-growth. You, you could argue that green energy is Scotland's biggest economic opportunity. It's the one where we've got the opportunity to really lead the world. Yes. Uh, we've got others as well, other opportunities, some of which I've mentioned. And the Green Party and the SNP are absolutely signed up to making that happen, not just in terms of tackling climate change, but because of the economic opportunity. Um, in my previous role, I was often attacked for there not being enough green jobs in Scotland by the opposition parties. So we got some independent research carried out by Warwick University and Strathclyde University and Skills Development Scotland commissioned that, which said that Scotland's created up to 100,000 new green jobs. And PwC also have done their own report saying that Scotland is ahead of the rest of the UK in creating green jobs. So this is about jobs and it's about the economy. But I guess the broader point about what you're making, Willie, is about the two parties working together who don't agree with everything on everything. And when I speak to the public, they say to me, I wish you'd all just go on with each other and work better together. And it's, you know, it's not all parties fighting each other. So we've got an example in Scotland where two political parties have got together through um, a, a, a Butte House agreement. So not we don't agree on everything. And we've got this particular agreement that outlines a lot of really good proposals where we will work together and deliver jointly. Um, so, you know, it's good for parties to work together. But where does it leave you when you're the Minister for Small Business Innovation and Trade and Growth when the, the previous First Minister launches your 10-year plan for economic growth in a joint statement with Patrick Harvey and when all the journalists go to Patrick Harvey, he states, there's no other that they are anti-growth. So at the moment, it's great. I totally agree. We can talk about the green jobs. At the moment, it will be about 2% of all the jobs in Scotland. When it comes to the Green Party, they're 98% against the growth of every other company. That's not, that's not my words. That's Patrick Harvey's. Okay, so I've been in Parliament since 1999. And I don't think there's that many of us left, but I have been there. And the change I've seen over that time and what we discuss in Parliament, what we legislate on, what we fund, has changed dramatically. And one of the reasons for that is we've moved towards just talking about economic growth, talking about sustainable economic growth. So there's a debate there, and the Greens have maybe got a slightly different view than the SNP. But where we do agree, that's the Butte House Agreement. We don't agree, that's out with the Butte House Agreement. And we are now talking about a well-being economy. So Scotland's economic growth is not just about profit and dividends. It's about tackling equality, protecting our natural resources and the environment, because that's wealth as well. Wealth is not just, you know, what people might think about companies making money. Wealth is about our natural wealth as a country, as well as our people and as well as businesses and, and, and money. And that's what the wellbeing economy is about. It's about growing your economy, being more successful, but everyone benefiting. 
and protecting the planet's resources and Scotland's natural resources at the same time and having a much more equal society. So what I'm trying to say to you is there's not that much difference, as you might imagine, between what you're talking about and what the other political parties are saying in Parliament. There's a world of difference. world of difference, Richard. Absolute world. I don't know how anybody can say there's a slight difference. When you stand up and, and do a presentation saying, here's a 10-year growth plan, and they say, yes, we are anti-growth, that's not a slight difference, right? Well, <laughs> it's the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and, and I'm, what I'm saying to you is the Greens and SNP don't agree on everything at all, the same terminology. This is huge. But what we do agree on... This is not a minor issue. No, 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 but... let me finish. But what we do agree on is that the green industries are about jobs and economic prosperity as well. And the Greens have said that, we've said that. We've so, said that. <laughs> so I'm just saying that that is recognised and, you know, we have these debates all the time. But we don't agree with everything and that's why we've got the Butte House Agreement, okay, which yeah. is about what, where we do agree. Okay, so so um, we have told you what business want from government. We really want you to listen. We want you to... Um, and then get out of the way, frankly. We don't want you to be interfering too much. That's when things work. What... What do you want, because it's a two-way street, what do you want from the business community? Because just as we can criticise government for not engaging with business, business don't engage with government. So tell us what you would like, and then we'll see if we can help deliver that for you. Well, my starting point is that Scotland's got great businesses and... You know, we've got many success stories and, and you've both achieved so much with your lives and careers. What I'd like from the business community is to um, create economic activity and prosperity for Scotland. To do that in the context of a well-being economy we want to create, which I mentioned before, which is uh, socially responsible and uh, we've got a movement in Scotland where businesses are signing up to the, you know, to the Business with a Purpose initiative. And that is a great initiative. That's where businesses are saying, we want to make money, we want to make profit, but we also want to play our role in net zero and creating a more equal society and treating people fairly, including your employees fairly. So that's what I'd like from the business community. I also want the ingenuity, the entrepreneurship, the imagination, the creativity. Oh, that's a given. And, but, you, and know, you know, if, and if, to work with us and let us know what we can do to where, help business. Where all our research shows that we're countries prosper is when the political leaders and the business leaders actually have a respect for each other and play their own part and, and know what the part is. So I think I know what the business part of that is, but I'm not so sure. Um, so I'm I'm listening yeah. um, and giving you the opportunity to talk to the business community to say, you know, specifically, this is this is how you can help. And I'd like the business community to be open to scaling up their businesses. There's a big emphasis on that. We need to improve what we do as a country in terms of the number of businesses that scale up, but also even startups. So that's maybe not the existing business community, but speaking to future generations and saying, you know, we want to uh, spark an entrepreneurial spirit within you. Well, I'm, well I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because in the Hunter Foundation, we'll be doing from startup, which is Scottish Edge. Um, which I believe we have the First Minister coming to the awards dinner at Gogerburn next Thursday. Um, I'll be bringing up with them that we haven't had our funding for the past year. So um, fund things which work, and we have got empirical evidence of how Scottish Edge actually works. We then do scale-ups, 
um, without any government help. We just got on with it. And I must say, there is a vibrant community out there. Um, but what what these entrepreneurs tell me is there's just certain things they would they would like to be able to somebody to listen. They're not always going to get their own way, and we might not always agree. But sometimes they say, "Oh yes, we're listening, we're listening," and then nothing happens. And there's nothing more demoralizing than that, Richard. And I get that, and, and you mentioned the Hunter Foundation, and, and obviously I'd say to both of you, thank you very much for everything you both do for philanthropy and for helping uh, your peers and, and the business community in Scotland, because I know you both do so much in that regard. And you know, you're laying down a challenge, and all I can say back to you is I'm absolutely up for that challenge. I know my colleagues in government are up for that challenge, and um, I'm, I'm confident that we can collaborate a lot better with the business community um, and listening. I've spent my first few weeks in this new post doing a lot of listening and getting a lot of really positive feedback about how we can grasp lots of opportunities working together. So, I, of course, I'm, I'm up for that and anything we can do to help. I would say that we are also getting positive feedback about um, the measures we are taking to promote innovation. We're about to also publish an innovation strategy for Scotland. Uh, the people involved in that warmly welcome the, the the fact that's going to be published and what it's going to say. So I think there's lots of examples where we have been working well together and we have been listening, but absolutely it's a big challenge. We've got to listen better and collaborate better going forward. Richard, I, I, and to be fair, and to get a balance, those sounds I've made when we go, we've been delighted with some of the things you've done in the last few weeks. So there's been signs that you are listening. Obviously, you know, you've, put the DRS scheme into the long grass. You're having another look at the alcohol advertising ban and obviously the, the rent freeze bill is kind of falling apart as, as we as we speak. So we, we see green shoots and, and we're absolutely delighted, you know, that you've come on this morning to talk about us. We really, really appreciate that. But I think, as Tom says, especially Tom, nobody's done more to try and help create new businesses in Scotland, especially but the two of us have worked together now for a number of years, but Tom's been at it for many, many years and he does much more than me. But but so we'd like to think that we've got a good understanding because we've got hundreds of people telling us, you know, what they think. So it's not just that there's a rumour of what someone says. So we believe that we are totally connected to startups, to scale-ups. And I think Tom has demonstrated and, and we've demonstrated that the leverage that, that we should be able to get for the things that we do should be 10 times. I think the, I used to be chairman of Scottish Enterprise Glasgow and I used to remember the matrix, you know, for what we wanted in the leverage. I think he must have levered in 40 times for every pound that he's, that he's put into to help startups. And I think what we want to do, he's, he's not get the begging ball out. I'm saying to the government, <laughs> have a real close look at these. I'm delighted that, that you know, the, you know, the First Minister may be attending next week. That's absolutely brilliant. We don't do this. This costs us money. We don't do this for money. A lot of people look at it and they think, oh, everything you want to do is just for money. It's not. We're, <laughs> we're beyond that. We're beyond that. We're trying to give something back, and we're trying to give something back, and it's not just all going, you know, we're trying to do it in a way where we'll actually help creating something. So I would just like to say that I would I would listen seriously to how the EDGE has done, to how other, you know, entrepreneurial spark, uh, Entrepreneurial Scotland, the Saltire Foundation. These are all people working really, really hard to, to help with that 1.8 million. That, that should be the number one goal for us in Scotland. How do we start, you know, start with small, small numbers? How do we get 25,000 of them back into the workplace? Because see if we don't, 
in four or five years' time, no matter who is running the country, there's going to be major problems. Absolute major problems to all our services. So I think that it is, it is a, it's imperative now that we really do everything we can to actually create, you know, enlightenment too. And as we say, maybe the green energy is, is how we do that. Yeah, and I totally agree. And, you know, when you invited me to come on to your show, I immediately said yes, because I thought I want to meet Tom and Willie. They've achieved so much. <laughs> and, you know, now maybe... Not so sure. <laughs> well, we've happened to, you know, had their introduction in a public forum of a radio show. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, I'm very much aware of your contributions to, to Scotland and to, the, the, to business and growth. And, you know, there's a lot of really good things happening in Scotland. Yeah. But you're right, absolutely right. And, you know, a lot of the issues you just mentioned, they're like, chime exactly with what I think there's cross-party support for in Parliament. So that's a really good place to be. You're talking about green energy, you're talking about some of these issues, and that's exactly where the national agenda is. And I think even though there's lots of arguments between political parties, these are uh, shared national aspirations yeah. to make the most of these opportunities. So I'm up for the challenge, and I know my my you know, Cabinet Secretary Neil Gray, Hamza Yusuf, the First Minister, uh, we are talking a lot about this just now, of how we can really work closely with people like yourselves, the rest yeah. of the business community and the amazing companies we've got in this country to, to make the most of these opportunities. So we're up for it. Yeah. But I would just like to say to you that um, I would never let my politics get in the way of helping anything where we could help Scotland prosper. Yeah. Never. Nothing's more important to me than that. Yeah. Right? And, and anything we can do to help you, we we'll do that. And that's good to hear. Yeah. And that's why I said yes to my invitation Thank to one you. of your show. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, for me... It's, it's quite simple, Richard. Um, the best social policy ever written is a decent paid job. That's yeah. what we believe in our foundation. And who creates the jobs? It's the entrepreneurs. The bigger companies, the bigger they get, the dumber they get, quite frankly. BT going to lay off you know, 55,000 people by the end of the decade. But it's the small entrepreneurial companies that are going to create these sticky jobs for us. So that's why we devote so much of our time into helping these businesses get there. And we don't actually need a lot from government for that. A lot of the stuff we just got on with. But now and again, we need, because we see something that's, right, government could do that. So all I would say is I think we want the same thing. Um, we might disagree sometimes about how we get there, but in the whole, um, we would like government to listen and then get out the way. Don't don't tinker with it because the entrepreneurs know how to allocate their own capital. Um, but sometimes the regulatory framework, the taxation framework, um, is against enterprise. And when that happens, if we can speak to you and give you some good arguments, all we want is a listening ear. And I can only give you an assurance that I absolutely have a listening ear and I know my colleagues do as well. And I'm not just saying that because you'd expect me to say that, but I think genuinely Scotland's on the cusp of achieving great things. And, you know, I've had my eyes opened just even the last few weeks meeting some of the entrepreneurs and the companies that are doing, as I said before, life-changing, world-changing things and we can't afford to miss this opportunity. And I think the three of us and everyone else in these debates all want that. So if we can work together, we're all going to win out of this and the people of Scotland are going to win out of it. So, you know, we have to find ways of getting there.
Richard, it's been a pleasure and we say it again, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and hopefully we'll have you on again. Thank you so love much. It. I'd love to. Yeah. Thanks, Richard, Thanks. and good luck in your new position. Thank you very much. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go there are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Tom, we have in the studio this morning a young man who I've just found out used to work for me. He did. Right? And Michael he said he's Tona. still waiting in his holiday pay, Wally, yeah. for 1982. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Michael. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, and Michael's the director and founder of Matchless Gas, which is a small gas engineering business. And I see as well that you sell heat pumps. We'll have another debate about it. Well, another time. Start right. heat pumps, will right. So tell us a wee bit about yourself and let's know what your question is. So my name is Michael Toner and I started my company in 2020. I was working with SSE at the time and I was made redundant. And we were given the opportunity to go out on our own just at the beginning of COVID. All right. Was the... That was very generous yeah. of me. <laughs> Very challenging times, you know. Um, for a get-go, I was kind of ready to hit the ground running and I was employing people right from the very start. And we survived, you know, three lockdowns. Um, challenge, challenging times, eh? Um, like my first year, we'd done 250,000 turnover, which was good. At that That's point good. in time, I could never have imagined that, eh? Then went on, we'd done, we mainly done boilers, and then we had the energy crisis last year, and the sales just plummeted. Um, we had just invested a lot in our infrastructure as well, um, and it was challenging, really, really challenging times for the energy crisis. Who do you um, do work for, Michael? LHOs, is it local housing associations, or MD? Private? No, I, it was private, and yeah. we were set up to go into the eco yeah. industry, so we had went and got all our accreditations for that, and the scheme was meant to start Last year, it didn't kick off in April like it was meant to. We got to November before we actually started to see things materialise because we never had a Prime Minister in place for everything to be signed off. And oh, we won every week for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your question? So my question would be, how do you maintain resilience to navigate through peaks and troughs of growing a company? Oh, okay, great question. Great question, eh? <laughs> Well, like, what do you think? Uh... It is a great question, and, and obviously a big factor in that is, is how your cash is. You know what I mean? Sometimes that you, you have the cash flow to get through, even though when sales are bad, where the big, big questions come about where you've got to make big decisions is, is run about cash. You know, if you get a downturn and you're starting to eat up all your cash, which happened to me at the very start of my business, I'd actually run out of cash. I was start sending my CV away for jobs and I got a wee bit of luck. But so... If you've got the cash to keep the business going and you've not put your, your house on the line, then I think that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you, you will be resilient. You will keep going. But sometimes the decision to keep going is taken out of your hands. And I think a lot... This is, this is, I don't ever say this to me, but 
sometimes you may need to make those tough decisions, right? For you and your family, unfortunately, it's no circumstances can work against you, and it's not the right thing to go on. If you're in a position where you can afford that, then I think having the having the you know the 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 bottle, as we would say in Scotland, to have a go on your own, especially when the pandemic around, I think you'll find that inner resilience to keep going. Yeah. So I think Willie's really answered that very well there. Um, and from my own point of view, you know, it's about it's, it's sometimes about knowing when to quit. That yeah. that might be counterintuitive. Everybody thinks entrepreneurs are endlessly positive, but you've got to weigh up the situation. And um, just because one thing doesn't work, if you can quit it at the right time without losing your shirt, then you've got a chance for the next one. I'm not saying quit forever. I'm, I'm just saying maybe that's not right. But having the where for all to go, right, it's tough just now, but I think if I just stick in at this, next year we'll get through it and it'll be better, right? So that's one decision. Or it may be you can't kid yourself so you go, this is never going to get me to where I want to be. Yeah. Therefore, get out of that. And then what's next? Mm -hmm. So un being really honest with yourself um, about the opportunities that you're in, cash is everything, and then deciding, right? So don't don't think of it as a failure. I've I've quit plenty of stuff. Um, but it doesn't mean you're quitting forever. It means you're you're you've you've learned something. That's not quite what, and you're on to the next thing. What What do you think, man? So I've, I totally agree there, and, and it's looking at the bigger picture, and that's what was always the biggest motivator for me because I had just set out to achieve so much and I was determined that I was going to get <laughs> that. And now the business is better than it's ever been. Is it brilliant? So, and so you had to dig deep. Through that, yeah. And I start... Uh, scale-up programme. Oh, do you? In a couple of weeks. Brilliant. So I'm really looking forward so to that. So which one, Michael? The pre-scale. The pre-scaler. Brilliant. So you're the first person I've met that's on it because right. we, had, we had such good demand for it that we're doing two cohorts of 20. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't know how it would go, but we ended up and Ewan said, Tom, we've got more than we can cope with. So it's right, let's do two of them. Brilliant. But brilliant. So we'll see you down at Blair. Yep. Brilliant. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in and no we worries. wish you all the best. Perfect. Thank you. Keep in touch with the show. Cheers. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk.